Rejection versus acceptance. This is one of my favorite teachings in the next two chapters. Um, it's going to be good. Um, last week we talked about being ambassadors of reconciliation. The importance of dying to things in our lives that may hinder us, keep us from being that ambassador, and uh, keep us looking at the fruit, looking at things in our lives that may hold us back, not only personally, but can keep us from fulfilling the call of God in our lives. And uh, we're going to talk today a lot about relationships. Everything's all about relationship. We're going to dive into it. And... Uh, if we're going to be ambassadors of reconciliation, it's very, very important that personally we get our relationships in right order. We gave you a list last week to look at various relationships by which you may need to be reconciled or restore relationship. That's very, very important to God. Relationships are very important to God. So much important that he came and died so we could have relationship. Bottom line. And uh, this is a big, this is a big, big, big deal to God right here. Uh, and so we're going to look what rejection is, what is accepted. We're going to talk about seeds, roots, trees, and fruits. The next two weeks, it's all going to be. It's going to be all about seeds, roots, trees, and fruits. You look in the Bible, you see, you hear a lot of teaching about seeds, roots, and trees and fruits. And Jesus taught on these things, and. Uh, so we're going to dig into that whole subject, that whole topic, and we're going to learn how this issue of rejection and acceptance affects every one of us in this room. It's a big deal. Whether you know it or not, it's a big deal. So let's read our key, I'm going to read our key scriptures here. And it says this. We've, we've, we've quoted this scripture a few times in the previous chapters, but this is one of our main scriptures. It says this, it said, Isaiah 61 and 3, it says, They will be called oaks of righteousness, right living, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. That splendor is fruit. That splendor is God's glory. That's His character. That's His nature. This is what we want going on our tree. Visions 3, 17 and 19 says this, as I pray, this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians. This is his prayer. He said, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. There is a fullness of God to be obtained. We're on this journey. We're on this walk. And you can have measures of this fullness in operation in your life. And you say, well, how can this be? It's all about application. It's all about dying. The more, you, the more of God that gets in you, the less of you will be in the way. The more of Him, the less of you. The more of you, the less of Him. This is why we got to die. This is why we got to deal with the fruits and the roots. And we got to deal with things that may hinder this fullness to be a, being a reality in our lives. Because the more God we get in us, the more we can be all He's called us to be. And it's all the root that we're trying to get rooted in. Paul says it here. It's 
the root of what we want is the love of God. He said this love, if it's present, there's going to be power. Who wants the power of God in your life? To be an overcomer. To live the abundant life. Power in your marriage. Power in your finances. Power in your families. He said there's a power to be obtained. But in order to have that power, you've got to be rooted in the love of God. And you've got to come into this understanding that God's love is so big, it's so wide, it's immeasurable. And if you can tap into this love, that's God. Because God is love. There will be a power that you'll tap into. There will be a fullness of God that will be realized. And it will blow your mind. I don't know if any of you, you guys have, have ever had tangible experiences where you've encountered the love of God. Where it just rocked your world. There's nothing like it. And that security in His love is what God wants for each one of us. But there are things that can hinder us from realizing this love. And we're going to dive into that in a little more as we go through this chapter. So we talked about last chapter about being ambassadors of reconciliation. In order for this us to be ambassadors of reconciliation in the kingdom of God, it's important that, it, it, that it disciples embrace this journey towards intimacy. They receive healing and wholeness so that uh, um, we can be that ambassador of recon, uh, reconciliation to those who need restoration to God. And they need restoration to one another. Uh, let me read this here. I'm going to get into this. I'm going to try to go as quickly as I can. And hopefully I'm going to be able to share a few stories and testimonies. What I've personally been an, an ambassador of reconciliation. And people, people who come through group. People who come through true disciple. They get to this point. And I've seen God do some incredible things in people's lives. I've seen this be a reality for the last 20 years of us doing true disciple, doing discipleship. This is what we live for. This is what Esther and I live for is to see people restored, whole and healed, set free. And so when I, if I get some chances, if we don't run out of time, I'm going to interject a few stories here and there. So you really capture, get a revelation of what I'm talking about. But first I'm going to go into this. It says this. It says, I'm in this first paragraph here. I'm not going to read everything on every page. I'm going to skip some things, so try to stay with me. Now listen to this. The kingdom of God is all about relationships. And the kingdom of darkness is what? All about relationships. God's heart is about restoring and building healthy relationships. However, Satan works to tear relationships apart. How many ever seen someone's relationship tear apart? How many ever in your own relationship seen relationships? We've all seen it. We've all witnessed it. We've all maybe experienced it. And so let's, let's continue on here. It says, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus announced that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But this is what he said. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There's that abundant life that directly correlates with this fullness of God. There's two kingdoms in operation as we speak. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness has one goal, one purpose. From the very beginning of time, in the Adam and Eve, from, from the time Adam and Eve was on this earth, Till now, 
the enemies had one objective. And that is to cause man to sin against God and to reject God in order to break relationship. Now, why does he do this? Think about it. What does the Bible tell us that Satan was before he fell? What was he? He was an angel. He had a high, high position. He was an archangel. He covered the presence of God. He experienced the very throne room of God. Can you imagine being one of those angels? He was a being that enjoyed relationship with God. But the Bible tells us that pride came into his heart and that he desired to be like God because he saw all the worship going to God and he says, I want some of that worship. And so he says, I'm going to be like, I'm going to, I want to be like God. Pride rose up and because of this pride, because of him being jealous of relationship, jealous of the glory of God, he was thrown down into the earth. He, he was, he was, relationship was broken with Satan. And ever since that point in time, God said, I've got to have a creation that will worship me, that I can have relationship with. And that's where we come into it. This is where Adam and Eve comes on the scene. So Satan sees Adam and Eve's relationship again with God. It t- the Bible tells us that he came in the cool of, of the evening and walked with them and talked with them and he provided everything they had need of. And so he sees this relationship that he once had. Being jealous and angry. And he's angry. His endeavor was to tempt them to sin, to reject God in order to break relationship. You see how it works right there? And today, and from that point in time to now, his objective is to do that one thing. To cause us to sin towards God, to sin, to sin against God, reject God, in order to keep us from having a relationship with him because he lost it. So many, how many, I don't know how many years, thousands of years. Who knows how long it's been since he's been kicked out of heaven. So Jesus comes, what does he do? He says, I want relationship. Adam and Eve sinned, but God had a plan. And we all know the plan of redemption. And his plan was to restore man into relationship with God. And so he said, I've got to come, be the sinless lamb. He always points back to the gospel, guys. But this is how it works. Kingdom of darkness is about breaking relationship. Kingdom of heaven is about being ambassador of reconciliation. Reconcile people to God and being reconciled to one another. You get the picture. And this is all done... Through this vehicle of rejection versus acceptance. We're gonna, this is just the seeds. We're going to dive into it. Seeds, roots, trees, and fruits. So let's keep going here. I don't want to jump ahead of myself because we're going we're to get into it. Okay. So here's my PowerPoint here. I'm going to hit this PowerPoint. Everybody say this with me. Say it with me out loud because it's, it's, it's all about this right here. So it's all about relationships. Nothing is done in this world but through relationships. They're either healthy or they're dysfunctional. They're either, they're either rooted in rejection or acceptance. Fear and rejection, love and acceptance. This is what fuels relationships. Okay? Okay, so let's keep going. The devil knows. Listen. The devil knows if he can cause man to sin against God, it will sever their relations with, relationship with him. Okay? Furthermore... If the devil can cause man to sin against each other, 
they will reject each other. Okay? You with me? Stay with me. Why does the enemy work so hard to accomplish this evil? And he does. Night and day. Night and day. He does this because his agenda is to deceive and hinder disciples from effectively participating in the kingdom of God. That's us. And it directly violates the two greatest commands that the word of God is built upon. This is Mark 12, 29 through 30, 31. This is what Jesus said. The greatest commands. Where a man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is... They wanted to try to catch him in his words. Sadducees and Pharisees are always trying to catch Jesus in his words. They always thought they were smart. It's amazing how Jesus responded to them. And one of these Sadducees, Pharisees came out and said, you know, Okay, Master, what's the greatest command? And he laid it right out here. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It goes on to say further that said that everything that the prophets taught and everything that the word of God is built upon hinges on these two commands. Period. Period. Okay? So this is very important. It's important to God. It should be important to us. Should it not? So it's all about relationships. And this issue of what destroys relationships, either with God or each other, is this issue of sin. Which is delivered, sinful acts are delivered through the means of rejection. Okay? This is how we reject one another. This is how we sin towards each other, through this vehicle of rejection. So let's look at this. Let's look at sin. Defining sin. What does sin mean? This is why it's important to God that we get sin out of our lives because it breaks relationship. This is what sin means. Sin means to miss the mark. It's falling short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. You can refer to doing something against God or doing something against a person. Exodus 10.16. It also doing the opposite of what is right. Galatians 5.17. And failing to do something you know is right. James 4.17. It is willfully violating the word and the will of God. It's not just doing something bad. This is where God takes it a whole step further. To sin can actually mean to fail to do something that is right. This is why we need to know what the Bible says and do it. It's not enough just to know it. But if you know to do something that is good and something that is right. The Bible tells us to fail to do something is still sin. You can pride yourself and say, well I don't do that. I don't. You check all this. But what are you not doing that you're supposed to be doing? It's just as much sin. So let's keep going. What is a transgression? Transgression means this. To choose to intentionally disobey. To be rebellious. Presumptuous. Deliberately trespassing is like climbing a fence that should not be climbed. A trespass can be intentionally or intentional. Guys, you can sin and not even know you've done it. Sometimes you can just do things. Either, either you didn't have the knowledge to do better... But sometimes you fall into things and you can sin. Nonetheless, we have, a, we have a Holy Spirit that lives in you. The Spirit of truth. And if you're not living according to truth, don't ignore that small, still voice in your head that's shedding the light as you live this life. And He's trying to bring correction and discipline. So we've got the Holy Spirit. There's no excuse. You've got people... 
that don't even know God, they don't even claim to be a Christian, they still have a God-given conscience, don't they? So, let's keep going. Iniquity. What is that? There's different levels and degrees of sin. Iniquity is bad, guys. It's real bad. Okay? This is what iniquity is. Iniquity is sin that is more deeply rooted. It means premeditated choice, a continuing without repentance. King David, sin of adultery with Bathsheba was a premeditated plan and then continued with the killing of her husband. We all know that story. David's the king. He should have been in battle. He got lazy. He got idle. This is where we have problems sometimes. God, God is in this area of getting idle. We get lazy. And the moment you get comfortable in your walk, the enemy's going to sneak right up on you. He'll be throwing things at you never dream you do. You think David would ever dream in his, in his wildest dreams that he would not only take the wife of one of his top men on the battlefield and have her for himself and kill him too? What if, my goodness, he was, this, this, this is, that's bad. That's bad, guys. That's bad. You all know the story, but I've got to continue on for the sake of time. Now, let's read this. We're on the next page. Doing good. Moving forward. Are we good so far? Guys, I hope you know that I'm not here every day, every week, just trying to beat you over the head with the law. There is, there is the good news of the gospel. And it's this issue of being rooted and grounded in the love of God to be secure in Him. And we're, we're, get, we're getting into that. But it is so important that we, we take this seriously, not to make ourselves feel good or think we're better than someone else or... You know, it's, it's really because God loves us so much that he wants us to be free. And he knows that this issue of sin is going to keep us from the relationship that, that he so desires with us. But let's go further. It says this, Jesus bore all our sins, transgressions. This is the good news of the gospel, okay? He knew he had to come. He bore our sins, our transgressions, our iniquities on the cross. He was the sufficient sacrifice to cover all our sins. John 1, 29, Romans 5, 18, Psalms 32 and 5. Ooh, that's a lot of scripture. My wife did that. <laughs> Better read them all. Okay. All those scriptures back up the statement that was just made. If you read it and you dig and tell me, it would all back this Jesus coming to die for us. So, Let's read this one passage. It says, Surely he bore our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him smitten, stricken by God and afflicted. But he was pierced. Listen to this. Get this in your spirit, guys. Listen. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement. That brought us peace. And with his wounds. We are healed. What a love. That Christ would come. And he would bear the ultimate rejection. Think about it. He comes from heaven. To be the solution to mankind's problems. And yet his own people 
didn't recognize that he was the Son of God. Yet his love was so big, so great, so deep, so wide, that he was willing to leave all his glorious position in heaven, take on the form of flesh, and endure not only the cross, but the rejection of his own people. All Christ did was good. He healed. He loved. He did miracles. He taught principles of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And yet, the enemy was watching. As Jesus came, he knew who he was. He knew why he came. The prophecy foretold in Genesis about the woman's heel crushing the head of the serpent. He knew that prophecy that was coming. He knew Jesus was the Son of God. And he did his best to cause men once again, his own people, to reject him. Just like he did in the beginning. You see how it works? But they were supposed to be God's people. They were supposed to know this stuff. But yet, in all his goodness, he suffered and endured rejection by men, by people, his own people, all the way to the point of the cross. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news for you and me. Let's read this again right here. This PowerPoint. Everybody say that with me because you've got to get this in your spirit. It's all about relationship. Listen. God so desired relationship that he gave up his life to have relationship back with us. Ultimately. He had a plan. And his desire was because he loved us so much. He, he sent his son to die. He died. He said no greater love than this is a man that he laid down his life for a friend. This is the good news of the gospel. This should compel you. Now, listen to this. If we're endeavoring to be a true disciple, we're followers of Jesus, then we ought to take note of the life of Christ, how He lived, what He said, what He did, what He commanded us to do. And when you see this selfless sacrifice of Christ, how can we not be compelled to do the same? So let's read on. Let's talk, we're talking about rejection versus acceptance. You see, that this free gift of love had to be birthed through this rejection of man. The world rejected him, but yet he still died for the world. But this gift of love came. So let's keep going. Rejection acceptance starts as a seed that is planted in a person's life through various relationships. Now, get this in your heart and mind. Times, places, and we're missing a word there. Another typo. Times, places, people, and events. Okay? Times, places, people, and events. This is by which we engage in relationships. It's always a time, a place, a person, an event. This is where relationship takes place. And this is where seeds are planted. Either rejection or acceptance into our lives. And you say, Barry, what's the big deal? Let's keep going. These seeds develop roots. Okay? And they grow into fruit-bearing trees that represent a person's spiritual condition. 
You're growing fruit right now. There's fruit being born in your life. It's being represented by how what you say and what you do. This fruit's either good or it's bad. The Bible talks about it. Chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, we've dug and gave you plenty of scriptures to be a mirror in your life, to examine yourself. The commands and the call to every disciple is to cut off these areas in our life. And this fruit that's growing is directly connected to a root that is directly connected to seeds that are planted in our lives. Now let's keep going here. Whatever one is rooted in will determine what fruit grows on their tree. Luke 6, 43, 45, Jesus taught the crowds. He said this, he said, no good tree bears bad fruit. Who's talking right here? What's he talking about? Huh? Yeah, that's right. He said, let's keep going. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Its own fruit recognizes each tree. So he says, whatever's being produced on that tree, that's how you know what it is. If it's a banana tree, it's going to have bananas. If it's if it's a if a if it's a uh, uh, apple tree, it's, it's going to bear apples. And if it's if it's something in regards to good fruit or bad fruit, that's how you know it by what's being represented. You are representing fruit. This splendor that we, we quoted in Isaiah 63, 1, again talked about a tree for the display of the splendor. That's the fruit. So let's keep going. You guys have got it. Let's keep going. People do not pick, people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things of the good stored up in his heart. Where is it? Where is it? In his heart. That's what's in you. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. What he's saying is, what comes out of your mouth is what's in you. Every day, we spit seeds. I'm spitting seeds right now. Okay? That may be funny, but this is the truth. Every day, we're spitting seeds, or the soil of your heart is receiving seed. It's either good or bad. It's either going to be rooted in this rejection or acceptance. Fear or love of God. Okay? And it's all done through relationship. Let's keep going. It says, the fruit that is in one's heart will be known by how they act, what they say, and what they say to others. According to Isaiah 61 to 3, God desires to plant the seed of his word, what I just quoted just, just a few minutes ago, in our hearts that we may grow into becoming oak trees of righteousness, good fruit, that display his glory. Now let's say this PowerPoint together. Roots determine fruits. Now, I don't know if you guys in your Christian walk have heard anybody teach on this stuff before. I don't know. You may know all this stuff. 
You may never heard any of it before. You may think, well, what's the big deal? It's a big deal. Jesus taught on this stuff. Okay? We got to have this knowledge. Knowledge is power. You need to know why you are what you are. You need to know what you need to be what you need to become. If you're going to be a minister of reconciliation, you need this knowledge that when you're sitting face to face with someone and you're trying to help them in their relationships, if you don't have this knowledge and you're just praying some little prayer and, I, and we do the best we can and the best we know how, but without the wisdom of God to be able to look into someone's life with intention and seeing through all the facades and all the walls and, 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 and all the drama that's in people's lives. And if you're not able to take them to the root of their issue and help them really get free, you're going to have a hard time getting them reconciled to God and to others. And this is a fact. I've been doing this for 20 years. And uh, I'm not bragging about that. God's called me to be ambassador of reconciliation. This is why I teach on this stuff. Because this is what he's called me to be. This is what he's called me to do. And I'm doing my best to do what he's called me to do. This week, we've got to meet with some people that are having marriage problems. A couple weeks ago, we got marriage problems. It's all about relationship. What's going on in their life? I can give them a one, two, three, pat, pat answer. You know, do this, do this, do this. All it can do is just cut, cut it the, the fruit, but if you don't take them to the root, give them real knowledge, uh, you'll spend years trying to help people. We've literally seen people transform and change instantly with this sort of knowledge right here. And I'm going to try to give you some, some, uh, some, some examples right now. Okay? So bear with me. You say, Barry, you say... I'm not dealing with no rejection issues, you know. I'm, I'm good. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to tell you right now, you don't know what you're talking about. There's not a person in this room that has not been affected by some type of rejection in your life, some sort of hurt, some sort of offense. I had a young man that came through group years ago. Some of the first groups. And I was teaching on this issue of rejection and I didn't read books to get this knowledge. It was knowledge God gave me. And I just learned it with praying with people. God giving me revelation. Leading them through prayers of repentance and dealing with offense and unforgiveness issues. And God just gave me revelation. I had this young man come. He had been a youth pastor. He was attending uh, Lee University. And he was this short guy. I won't give any names because he's a pastor of a good-sized church today. <laughs> and for the church God. And uh, he comes to my Bible study and he hears me teach on this issue about rejection. And he walks up to me and says, man, I ain't got no rejection issues. I ain't got no... I dealt with all my stuff. I said, really? Okay. I said, you ain't got no rejection issues. I said, that's fair enough. I said, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's, let's make a deal right here. What we're going to do is Thursday. We're going to pray. We're going to pray the Holy Spirit reveal to you any areas in your life that are hidden that you need to deal with. He said, okay, I'll do that. No problem. Yeah, okay. So I laid hands on him. I prayed for him. I said, Holy Spirit, let your light shine this young man's life. 
show him anything, any fruit in his life that's not of you, any rejection issues that he needs to deal with, God, you shine the light. And it was Sunday afternoon. I got a knock on the door. And it was him and another younger man. And he came in the door and he said, you got to pray for me. You got to pray for me. He said, ever since you prayed that prayer, he said, things I thought I dealt with years ago, I've been struggling with this, this, and this, and this. My whole world's been turned upside down. He said, I'm miserable. I got to get free. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, God showed me some things. I said, okay, let's go down into the basement. So it's a Sunday afternoon. We go down in my basement, which they nicknamed the deliverance chamber, okay? And uh, so many guys were getting delivered from demonic oppression. And I didn't nickname it that. The guys that came through a group, they called it Deliverance Chamber. That's, that was the nickname for it. So I said, let's go down to the basement. Let's have a little chat. So I began to talk with him and hear the fruit that had manifested and surfaced. Now, he had been in ministry. He took pride in, hey, man, I've been in ministry. You know, me and God are tired. I pray in tongues. Uh, uh, you know, I thought I was strong. I thought, and see, you know what? You can have... Issues in your life, you can do all these spiritual good things and you keep that stuff stuffed down, keep it under control, and you, you can believe and think that it's not there and it can still be there. So he was doing all the God, all the things you're supposed to do as the good Christian, and he's keeping a handle on it pretty good. But this week is hot everything alcohol, the women, the girls, the lusts, rejection. He began to tell me. How he was this little guy growing up and in school he was picked on because he was a little guy. He had a spirit of competition on his life. He was very competitive in sports. He always wanted to be the best at what he did because he felt like he was because of this little man syndrome. And come to find out he was dealing with rejection. He, he did do things and got into things because it was an issue of insecurity in his life. And God gave him a revelation in just three days. So I said, okay, we've identified fruit. We've identified roots. Time, place, people, person, and events. He gave me very specifics about age, where he was at, things that happened in his life. And so I took him into prayer. He confessed these things. He repented over these things that have been issue in his life. And then the next step came. This is what happens, guys. When there's been habitual sin in your life, where enemy has gained access in your life, there's not only woundedness that can take place, but there's demonic oppression that can attach themselves to you. They can have strongholds in your life and control areas of your life. This is a fact. This young man, he confesses, he repents, and I get him to renounce these certain areas. Rejection, loss, addiction. And no sooner did I lead him through these prayers of renunciation, which has to do with taking authority over the devil. It's, it's that point of shutting the door. It's that point of cutting it at its root. It's that point of removing the enemy's authority in one's life, where they, they've opened themselves up to a stronghold. And at that moment of renouncing those things, I lay hands on his head and I said... To the enemy, I said, with his own words and his own mouth, he has renounced you. You have no authority in his life anymore. 
come out of him. And instantaneously he doubled over, grabbing his stomach and coughing and gagging. He began to cough violently and went through deliverance. The young man that was brought him to see me prayed the same prayers. He fell over on the couch and he was manifesting and the demons come out of him as well. He said, well, how can this be, Barry? We'll talk about it another time. I'm telling you, it happens. My own life, I've, even with this knowledge and God using me to see people set free and delivered, when I begin to see this stuff, just over and over again, I had to ask questions. How can this be? How does the enemy get access into believers' lives? These are good people. They love the Lord. They go to church every Sunday. But there's obviously a demonic thing going on here. I had to ask myself these questions. So it's, it's an issue of, it, it's two things. People need healing, they need deliverance. And I had areas in my life that were rooted in rejection and the fear of man that while I was doing ministry, I was suffering rejection. I was suffering undue attack. False accusation came. And I got mad at God. I said, God, here I am doing all this ministry and I'm getting attacked. I don't deserve it. And I, I told God, I said, you can take this prophet stuff and you can keep it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I was trying to run from my call. And that was a big mistake because no sooner did I say that to God, I heard these words in my head. He said, yeah, you think you can run from your call. Who's the guy that went in the belly of the fish? He said, Jonah said the same thing. I knew I messed it up real quick. I started repenting, repenting, repenting. And it was too late. You know what it's like to go and have the favor of God on your life. And all of a sudden, it seems like everything's stripped away. That's what happened to me. What was happening, Barry? Because of the fear of man or the fear of rejection, I was responding to that. And actually, it was trying to get me to run from the call of God in my life. This is why Paul said, you can't be a servant of Christ and be a man pleaser. You see how it works. The devil will use rejection... To stop you. Accusation. Offense. And over a course of two weeks, everything could go wrong, you went wrong. Car broke down. Business issues. Marriage issues. My friends were coming to try to console me. What's wrong with you, Barry? What's going on? I don't know. I'm just, just leave me alone. And over a course of two weeks, I was miserable, miserable, miserable. Now, you say, well, Barry, what was the root of this rejection? Well... Let me tell you what some of the root was. My dad was a missionary in Australia. I was an American. Went to Australia as a young man, a young boy, nine years old, going through the school system in Australia. Uh, got baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was 12. I was very bold about my faith. And the school that I attended was a quite a large school. I would witness to kids in the school. I would preach in front of the toilets where they were smoking. And I got a reputation of being a Bible basher. Didn't have no friends. I got beat up. Teachers picked on me. I was spat on. People chew up food in their mouth and spit it on me while I'm eating my lunch. Now you say, well, Barry, you were... What's going on? You had God, right? Yeah, I had God. But I was a kid. If you don't know how to handle and respond to rejection, all I was doing what 
I had passion in my heart. I didn't know any better. I, I, I learned real quick that God didn't call me to preach to the masses. It probably would have been better just to do one-on-one -on -one witnessing, you see. And for the course of the next three or four years, I had help. I, I, had, I had wounds of rejection. I got wounded, hurt, didn't know how to handle it. And I carried wounds all the way into my marriage to where into my marriage I'm carrying baggage. My wife had her own baggage. We found ourselves fighting and bickering over the stupidest, silliest things. And the devil had us on strings. He knew exactly what to whisper in our ear to trigger a wound in the next person. So I carried this woundedness, this rejection. And literally, when things were said or people would say something about me, either true or not true, I'd have this sick feeling in my stomach. So I was carrying this rude rejection in my life into my ministry. God was doing great things, but it was still there. So I'm running for my call. Two weeks of misery. I'm trying to make things quick. Two weeks of misery. Repent, repent, repent. I was coming down the road from work and trying to figure out how to get the favor of God back. You know, nothing like the favor of God. And uh, repent, 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 repent. And finally I said these words to God and this is what he was waiting on all along. I said, God, I'd rather have the favor of God and the rejection of man any day. Just give me your presence. Just give me your favor back. What was it an issue of? The fear of man versus the fear of the Lord. Who was I going to obey? Was I going to obey man? Was I going to respond to rejection? Was I going to fulfill the call of God in my life? Or was I going to let man, a man-pleasing spirit, stop me cold in my tracks? No sooner did I say that. I'm driving down the road, going home from work, a painted houses. The presence of God filled my truck immediately. I mean, it was like oil from heaven. It flowed down my head. It flowed into my body. It was like hot oil burning in my belly. And God healed me and he plucked out a root of rejection. And I wept and I laughed and I wept and I laughed all the way past my exit. And I just kept driving down the road. I didn't even know where I was at. And God healed me from the rejection. And ever since that day, I made a commitment to God. I don't care what man says, what they do. I don't care what accusations come. I don't care what the devil throws at me. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. No matter if I have rejection of man, all I need is the favor of God. And I will not bow to the fear of man from this day forth. When, yep, persecution came, false accusation comes. And you know what? And I never got that sick feeling in my stomach anymore. The enemy didn't have a place in me anymore. I, God healed me totally of rejection. Now, I can tell that story a hundred times over over the last 20 years ministering to people as an ambassador of reconciliation seeing people healed and restored. It works just like that. Let's keep going. Can you say praise God? Praise God. All right. Seeds have the ability to bless or curse. Everyone say bless. Bless. Everyone say curse. curse. That's what's coming out of your mouth. Either blessings or curses. It says this in Proverbs 18, 21. says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. James 9, 3, 9 through 12 commands disciples to sow good seed. James said, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. 
Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. It means you have the ability to bless and curse. What comes out of your mouth has the ability to bless and curse. It has the ability to sow seeds into people's lives. It says this, Brothers, can a fig bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Look at this. In Matthew 12, 36, 37 says, And I say to you, listen to this. This is what Jesus said. That every careless word that men shall speak, they shall render, render an account for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you are justified and by your words you shall be condemned. These are very strong words. Fathers, you need to know this. Husbands, you need to know this. Everyone else, everybody needs to know this. Guard your tongue. You're going to give an account. Because this is the very means by which it blesses or curses someone else. In relationship. Listen to what David said in Psalms 19.14. David learned this principle. He said this. He said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's talking about words. He's talking about what's coming out of mouth. And he's talking about what he is thinking upon in his heart. See, how, see this? This is amazing stuff. Read this PowerPoint together. Seeds equal words and actions. This is how seeds are planted. I know you've heard me say it. You're going to hear it again. Repetition is the best student of learning. It's just, you got to hear it. Right now, every day. Tomorrow, you'll leave, this, you'll leave this room today and we'll plant seed. You'll go out tomorrow, you'll plant seed. You'll go out tomorrow and you're going to receive seed. How you respond will determine what takes root in you. We'll go into that a little later. You look here in Genesis 27, 25, 36. It talks of Isaac and his two sons, Jacob and Esau, where he gives the blessing. It was the tradition in those times that the oldest son gets the blessing. He gets the inheritance. We all know the story of Esau and Jacob. He deceived his father. He got the blessing he wasn't supposed to get. But nonetheless, what came out of daddy's mouth, and it was often by the laying on of hands, that was the tradition. You say, well, why do we lay hands on people and pray for them? It is a form of, of blessing someone. People. We have to be careful who you let lay hands on you. Two. Sometimes people lay hands on you, don't need to be laying hands on you. And you can get stuff you never thought you were going to get. There's people that have given false words that say they're prophets. And they'll give words to people. And if they're not of God, they'll curse that, you'll receive a curse. They'll tell you something God never intended. They'll read into the intentions of your heart by a familiar spirit. And if you grab a hold of that word and it's not of God, you'll live the next five, ten years. And we've talked to person after person that have shipwrecked lives 
and they'll we'll try to figure out what that thing's rooted in. Why did this happen? Where did it start? And you're always looking back to times, places, people, events, and you could trace it right back where they got off track was to a word that such and such prophet came through town, gave them a word, and ever since then, they married the wrong person, and now 10 years later, divorced, shipwrecked, and they're miserable. Words have power to bless and curse. You better be careful who's prophesying over you. You better be careful who's laying hands on you. Just, that, that was for free. Okay, it's not in here, but it, it applies. Seeds of rejection. Seeds of rejection, again, are words and actions that do not express grace and edification to all those who see it here. The disciple must take heart the following exhortation in Proverbs. It says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Let no, listen to this. Listen, listen to this passage. Let no unwholesome word, seed, proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Ephesians 4, 29, 31. What is bitterness? What is wrath? What is anger? What is clamor? Clamor, what is slander? These are all things that come out of your mouth and your actions. And it has the ability to bless and curse. This is why the Bible tells us these things ought, things ought not be in a believer, in a church. Do you know what destroys churches? That it's destroyed thousands of them? Is this. Because they didn't read the word and obey it. And they let the devil use them to curse one another. This is where you get divisions and strife and disunity, bickering and fighting. This is why we got so many denominations. They couldn't get along. Someone wanted to be in charge. Offense. We'll just go do our own thing, bless God. We'll just go start our own church. It happens. You've heard the stories. The devil wins again. If they would just love each other, they would stay together. Do you know that this is the very issue why the church of God and the church of God of prophecy split years ago in the early 1900s? The birthing of this church, it was an issue in leadership that went on, power, Money, disagreements. There was a man by the name of Sperling. I know his great, great, great granddaughter. During that time of all the bickering and the fighting and the division that was going on in the denomination. And I, dude, I can tell you some stuff in history. And there was a man by the name of Sperling that came up with a track that he produced and was distributing during that time. And it was, I believe it was called the missing key. The missing key. You know what the missing key was? Love. He recognized that the problem that they, he was seeing before his eyes that was bringing disunity in the denomination that was splitting the church was an issue of the absence of love. Full stop. Always divides. Always splits. Always breaks relationships. 
maybe spoken to someone. You've all been in the grocery store at Walmart, stood in line and seen a child play up and the parents lash out at that child and may use words, are you stupid? Stop it. Cursing, swearing, cursing the children. I've prayed for young girls that suffered rejection because of the issue of their weight, never felt love, acceptable because they, they, somebody abused them with belligerent words because they didn't accept them because the way they were and they carried these, these wounds of rejection over their, their weight and their appearance. They don't feel beautiful. They don't feel like they're pretty. A 51-year-old, earlier this year, been in ministry for years, a mover and a shaker, been godly Christian woman and, and, and husband. And God gave me, we, we went to visit them and we noticed that their sons were very athletic and we went to watch them play sports and we recognized that there was something hindering the, the, the son because he's this big guy playing basketball. I mean, he had the talent, he had the gift, but it seemed that something was hindering him. And I just mentioned to his father, I said, I noticed there's a bit of uh, uh, hindrance, a bit of resonance. He said, yeah, we've, been, we've, we've noticed it too. We don't understand it. And so in the midst of talking about their sons and their children, and these are movers and shakers, man. I, I mean, I'm not giving you details, but they were part of a big church. And I began to share these principles simply in regard to their, their son. And uh, they said, wow, I've never heard it explained like this before. This is, man, Barry, we've known you for years. Where would you get this? I said, it's just what we teach, what the revelation God give us. No sooner we were talking about the son, they began to get... Oh, well, when he was such and such an age, a teacher said this. A teacher said that. A teacher said this. And I, it may be rooted in that. I said, yeah, it may be. No sooner did I start talking about this, the, the, the wife looks at me and she goes, she started getting revelation about her own life. There was things in her that she needed to be set free from. She was being denied some positions that she couldn't understand why she did get certain positions. She, she was a strong woman, came across very strong, but inside she's just like, she's just as sweet as can be, but she carried this persona that to some, if they didn't know her, though she was very capable, very loving, she had something that was hindering her. And she looked at me in the face, she, she got the revelation, she said, he said, before you leave, leave us, I was only there three days, he said, she said, you got to pray for me. You got to pray for me and help me. She said, and you got to fix him. And she was pointing at her husband. And I opened up the can of worms. I opened up can of worms. I go, oh, oh, what did I do? All we do is talk about the kids. And now it's on. You know, they're looking at each other. Oh, yeah. And all I can say is this. God was so gracious that we, we sat across the room for them, began to dig for roots and seeds. And we prayed that the Holy Spirit would reveal a time, a place, a person, an event, and within 10, 10 minutes, the Holy Spirit, like surgery, went with just a few questions, and she went from this strong, demeanor woman to like this little child, and she just began to tear up, and all the memories came back. All the memories came back to when she was 12 years old in school. She didn't think she was pretty. She got bullied. She had to fight. 
She only, not only had to fight for herself, but she had to fight for her friends. And rejection, it took root in her life. And she sat there, and I watched the Holy Spirit. As she confessed, she brought it all out in the open, and she just wept like a, a little child. We went over and laid hands on her, and as she got it all out, to, to, and put it all out there, we, we renounced wounds of rejection, renounced all these things, these fruits, she just renounced them, and, and, and we prayed at that moment that God would come and heal her, and it was like oil from heaven that flowed as she was totally and completely at 51 years, 50, 51 years old, God, she laughed with such joy. The Bible says that joy is like medicine. And she just laughed and laughed. Her face was lit up. And I laughed. I mean, you ever, have you guys ever been in a meeting and have been touched by God with the joy of the Lord just come on you? And you just, you just laugh. It's like healing. God just healed her miraculously. Now, her two sons, it was midnight, was listening around the corner to mom and dad. <clears throat> and they came in the room. We prayed with them. They prayed for us. We left that week. And within four days, I get a message for them. They had sat down with their two sons and did exactly what we did with them. And both their sons were miraculously healed. And they, they sent me a picture of their son slam dunking the ball over two people in the basket that week. It was this picture. His legs were this high up in the air as he slam dunking the ball in the hoop. Now that's a miracle. He said, what was that? They got free from wounds of rejection. How did it come? Words were spoken in their life. Things that were said that hindered them from being all that God had called them to be. Is that not good or what? That is good stuff. Let's keep going. Seeds of acceptance. Seeds of acceptance are any words and actions that demonstrate God's love. Full stop. We say, well, what is this love? Without the power of God in you, without His help, you're not going to be able to do it, guys. Unless you learn the art of dying, you can't do it. It's all in Him and through Him. And this is what love looks like right here in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Hello. It is not irritable or resentful. Say, Barry, I've done all these things. Hello, join the club. It does not rejoice at wrong doing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is not just an emotional feeling. It is, it is words and actions that are established in the truths of God's word. This PowerPoint, it says this right here. Love and acceptance equals good fruit. Now, these lists of scriptures that you have listed here are seeds of love and acceptance. 
This is the good news. We may have had a past that has been tough and rough, painful. Some of you may not had. You may think you, you may have had a great childhood. I don't know where you're at. You say, well, Barry, this may not apply. You need this knowledge. I'm telling you. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. You're going to do ministry. You need this knowledge. You just need it. And we, through the years, have took the way you counteract bad seed. Listen to this. Seeds of acceptance not only plant good seed, okay, but it helps to uproot, uproot bad seed. Perfect love casts out what? Fear. In this walk to be more like Christ, we've got... God, let me tell you something right now. If you're not feeding yourself through the week, whatever means are available to you, and there's a lot of them. Internet, iPhone, Android apps, you've got your Bible, go to the bookstore, there's only a gazillion of them written on all sorts of stuff. All these books, all this knowledge contains seed. And if you're not feeding yourself and you've got crap and garbage being served to you by the world, whether you know it or not, through music, media, various influences, it plants seed in you. If you're not careful what you put in your heart, in your mind, before your eye gates, your ear gates, before you know it, you're going to have seed planted in you that you never banked on and it's going to start bearing fruit and you're going to have problems. This is why you got to guard your heart. It's going to go watch what comes in your eye gate, in your ear gate. Get that good seed in you. We've had people that have struggled with certain issues about not feeling loved, not feeling accepted, not secure in the love of God. And they've literally had to take these scriptures, put them up on the mirror in the bathroom, and quote them every single day. You say, well, what good is that? It's the Word of God. It's good seed. You say, well, nothing happened right away. It's seed. It's taking root. You're watering it. Get in the presence of God. Get in anointed worship music. Feed yourself. Feed the word. Cultivate it. Guard it. And I'm telling you, it's not but a matter of time. As you get this good seed, this good word in you, it will be, begin to bear good fruit. And your tree will be one that is growing up in the fear of God. So you got all these scriptures here. Let me tell you. Gra grab your book right now. We're just going to do a little experiment. Okay? Let's grab it. I know Tom's getting away from us. But we're going to get through it. This is good stuff right here. Okay? Now let's read this chapter. Some of this right here. Let, let, just say it with me. John 1 and 12. I am God's child. John 15, 15. As a disciple, I am a friend of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1. I have been justified. 1 Corinthians 5, 17. I am united with the Lord and I am one with Him in spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, I am a member of Christ's body. Ephesians 1, through. 3 through 8 says, I have been chosen by God and adopted as His child. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. 
I have direct aspects to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. This is the truth. This is the good news. It will lift your spirit. It will plant good seed. It will produce good fruit. It can't not do anything any different. PowerPoint says this. God's word plants good seed. Challenge. What is coming out of your mouth? Expressed in your actions. Seeds of rejection. Seeds of acceptance. Roots determine fruits every day. Seeds of acceptance or rejection have the potential of taking root within our lives. Most of us have already experienced seeds of rejection and acceptance. Okay? An individual, we're either rooted in the love, we're either rooted in love and acceptance, or fear and rejection. Ephesians 3, 17 through 9, Paul prayed that the Ephesians church would be rooted and established in love. What a disciple is rooted in will determine whether their words and actions, seeds, will be sown in acceptance, good fruit, or rejection, bad fruit. Additionally, if you have received the truth of God's love and acceptance, your identity will be firmly in Christ. You will not receive the seeds of rejection that Satan throws your way. How a disciple responds to seeds of rejection will determine what he or she is established in. Love and acceptance, the fear of the Lord, or fear and rejection, the fear of man. What are you established in? You say, Barry, I've got a bit of both. It can be that way. What you're going for is like in a garden, you got weeds that don't, that they're going to choke out the fruit. Get rid of the weeds. Get rid of the thorns. Clear your heart out. Make more room for God. Listen to this challenge. It says, the next time seeds are sown into your life, will you choose to allow the bad or the good seed to be rooted in your life? Let's say this, power, this PowerPoint together. It's all about relationships. Listen, you can choose what gets planted in your heart. You choose. Now, as believers, some of us have had the privilege of growing up in godly families, not so good families. Regardless if you had parents that weren't Christians, they still had values that were based upon the word of God that got implanted in you. And you can still get good fruit that way. You know that? That's the truth. All good things come from where? God. You could have been loved by unbelievers. And they may have loved you in a very biblical manner. You know there's some unbelievers that can love better than Christians. Come on. They'll talk in tongues, but they spew poison out of their mouth. They have a train wreck of broken relationships behind them. If their heart is not right, look at their relationships. You can tell the Bible. Look, I've heard this said. It, it, it's interesting. You can tell a lot about a man. Listen, both. I've heard this phrase. It may not be the case. Just, it's just the same. But they say you can tell a lot about a man. By what expression is on their wife's face. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. What matters to God. Is not how much you're doing for him. It's how's, how's your love walk going. 
He's more concerned about your love walk than you going out here and having some mega ministry or any ministry, period. When you stand before God, the only thing you'll be judged on is your relationships. How was your relationships? Period. Man, I'm doing good. 7.56. I started 10 minutes late. If I had started at 6.30, I would have 15 minutes left right now. Can you believe that? <laughs> because we're waiting on you, Mike. Oh, rejection. No, you were here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. You have been very punctual. You see how quick I can curse? Man, God, forgive me, Mike. You see, he's not going to receive. You're not going to receive. Oh, let me get to say, you're not going to receive the seeds of rejection? Or you're not going to forgive me? See, here's a good, here's a good point. Here, here's the point. I just made an accusation then. Okay? Either true or false. What does the Bible say about the devil? See, he's the accuser of the brethren, right? And this is how the enemy uses people. It's through accusation. False accusation. Now, he had one or two choices. Say this is for real. And I had a, a, a real accusation. Not, I want to be mean and spiteful. Okay? And I go up to him and accuse him of something. It's not true. And he knows it's not true. But I'm absolutely belligerent. My demeanor is like, Mark, you know you did this, man. And, and my body language, my body language, what's coming out of my mouth, words, actions, seeds. Now he's got one of two choices. He can take offense. His heart's wide open. He can take offense if he responds out of the fear of men. And he's not secure in who he is. He doesn't, his acceptance is not secure, ultimately in God. If he takes offense through unforgiveness, rage, anger, malice, resentment, bitterness, rage, then he just opened his heart up to seeds of rejection that then open up other doors to all this other fruit. But it starts with an offense. It starts with a seed of rejection. Because now anger comes in, bitterness comes in, unforgiveness comes in, insecurity comes in, revenge comes in, murder comes in, all from a seed of rejection. That was the open door. That's how it works. So say it was the other way, how would he stop it? Okay. He does what the Bible tells him to do. He recognizes this I've got a saying that goes like this. If someone else's problem becomes your problem, you got a problem to begin with. If he responds out of insecurity and he's not secure in the love of God, he can counteract that seed by responding with acts of love. Forgiveness, grace, and mercy. If he's looking through the eyes of God and looking to the heart of that person that is belligerent, he will recognize the seeds that are coming out of the mouth and his actions is a result of something that's going on in that man's life. And he'll have compassion for him rather than resentment and unforgiveness. He'll have the same mindset that God has towards us. He's experienced the love of God. He's been forgiven much. How can he not forgive? He's secure in God. It doesn't matter what you say. 
You know, they, there's a saying that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's the biggest lie from the pit of hell. Whoever come with that, up with that is just a liar. Words have a fact. And so if he responds in love, as the Bible says, that when offense comes, he forgives, he shows grace, he has compassion, because people who receive the Bible, there's a saying that goes like this, hurting people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. And usually what's coming, the fruit like that that's coming out of them is, is a result of either them opening themselves up through, through sinful behaviors, been wounded, you never know what childhood they've got, what circumstances that surround that person to bring them to that point of where they just lose it and become this toxic person that we've all seen. We've seen these people. Now you're not going to help these sort of people if you've got wounds of rejection, you've got your own issues, you're not going to help them. You're going to respond. You're going to react. You're going to react instead of being redemptive. You've got two choices. React, redemption. React, redemption. React, redemption. If you're acting in redemption, it's because the love of God's in you. You're secure. And you'll have compassion. And you'll try to, hey man, what's going on? What's, what's happening to that? What's happening and you'll find that if you react in love, you, that a person will probably break down start crying, telling you everything that just happened in their life. This is how love works. Love, if you respond to relationship, if you respond out of love, you guard your heart. It puts a wall of protection and the enemy does not get access into your heart. Now, the seed now is coming out of you acts. And it, 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 when you respond in love, now you're acting as an ambassador of reconciliation. And that's good. Now, I'm going to give you one more story and we're going to pray and close because this is really interesting. I've got several cases and next week I'll tell you some more stories of people that I've prayed with. We've seen them delivered and healed. But here's one that will, that's very, very, very interesting. I won't use any names. This is somebody that came through group last season in Australia. I had about 30 men come through and at the end of group, we, op- we, we make ourselves available for, for prayer sessions where they do a, a fruit inspection, a spiritual inventory. They, they identify fruits, roots, and seeds, times, places, people, events. They come, they share. It's private. It's confidential. And they, you guys will share things they never told anybody. And uh, during the prayer session that we're praying, he begins to tell a story. And he tells me, to my utter shock, I thought I heard it all. He said, look, I've got to tell you something. He said, um, there's something that I've hidden from people and not, nobody really knows. He says, I'm a cross-dresser. He says, I dress, like, I dress up like a woman. And he said, um, he said, I know I shouldn't do it. He said, uh, uh, but when I do it, it brings comfort to me. I feel good makes me feel good inside. I said, really? Now, you've got to realize, you hear these stories, you keep, you know, I keep my composure, you know, I'm not judging this, I've got compassion for him. Okay? My goodness. And on top of being a doctor, he was schizophrenic. He's taking medication. Now, this is a believer. Nobody can help this guy. Been going for years. And I said, really, really? He said, yeah, he said, I said, so, he said, I'll dress up sometimes and I'll go out in public, but then 
I don't go out for long, but then I'll come home. And I said, nobody knows. He said, no, nobody knows. I said, okay. So what I begin to do, I begin to ask questions. And so you say, okay, what are you asking? So what I'm doing is I'm digging for roots and I'm looking for seeds. So I begin to ask him intentional questions as I'm digging for roots. I'm digging in the soil of his heart. So I ask him questions. So, okay, tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your mom and dad. Tell me, okay, first question I asked him, I said, do you have homosexual tendencies? Are you attracted to men? No, I'm not. Really? Okay. That's the that's number one you think could have happened. And that's, sometimes that's the case. I said, okay, I said, um, have, you been, uh, have you been sexually molested by anybody, a man or anyone at all? He said, no, I have not. I have not been sexually molested. I said, really? That's very, that's very interesting. I said, begin to dig a little more <clears throat> and hearing his story. And, uh, and uh, so I begin to probe a little more. I said, well, tell me about your parents. Well, I'm from China and uh, uh, I've got to tell you some of the stuff that, that happened to me. I said, well, take me back as far as you can remember. If there's any type of abuse, tell me about your childhood. He said, well, this is what used to happen. He said, from a very young child, he said, when I would use the bathroom or take a bath, my dad would take pictures of me naked. I said, really? I said, is, was he a photographer? No. Uh, Okay. He said he did it from very young, three years to up to eight, nine, ten years old. And he said not only would he take pictures of me naked, but when family and friends came over to visit, he pulled the pictures out, throw them on the table, and show everyone. And they'd all have a big laugh. And... I said, really? I said, well, did they do it to any of your other siblings? He said, no, they, he only did it to me. I said, well, what would happen? He said, I'd be so angry and mad at my parents. And because I got angry, then they, they punished me and beat me. Now, this is pretty bizarre, okay? It's, it's pretty extreme. But because of what happened to him, his identity as a man was, was associated with shame that there's something wrong with me. They're laughing at me. I mean, there's something wrong with me. So he began to, the way he got comfort was he tried to disassociate himself with his gender and would dress like a woman. To get comfort. Because then he felt good about himself. Because now he's not being identified as a man. And he grew up all his life like this. A believer. Christian. Couldn't tell no one. Love God. Was coming to this office. Oh man I gotta have answers man. And he was hungry for God. But he had these struggles. I know that's extreme. I know it's very extreme. But the enemy sees the opportunity to lie to this boy. And tell him. That he was dirty. He was shameful. Now this, this was not. Obviously this was abuse. And this was the fruit. The fruit was he was cross dressing. And, and he couldn't stop it. Because it brought comfort. What was the root? What was the seed? It was a time, place, person, event. That involved his mom, his dad, his siblings. 
planting seeds of rejection to his life by taking pictures they should have never took, showing to people they should have never showed them to. And as a result, the enemy seized opportunity and a bondage came in. A, dis- a disorder came in. Even schizophrenic over the stuff. I'll tell you another situation that was brought to my attention just this week. A couple that's struggling in their marriage. Particularly, I'm not, you, you won't know who this person is. Somebody shared this with us. Having problems in the marriage. And the man become, is very withdrawn. Relationally uh, numb. His wife wants relationship. There's problems with him. Anytime they talk, he just withdraws. Numb. Got walls up around his emotions. Numb. Can't feel. Addicted to drugs. Addictions. Depression. And she shares this story with the friend that told us the situation. Said they need help. But he, he's in denial that he's got a problem. But his childhood was very abusive. Had a father that was a survivalist. And at the age of five, don't quote me exactly. I'm trying to remember exactly. At eight degree weather, throws his son in a, in a lake or a river, drops him off five miles from his house, and says, "Find your way back home." In eight degree weather, five year old. I think I'm quoting it right. I could be wrong, but it was something like that. Now, can you imagine the trauma that would be on a child? They thought he had frostbite. You know, this is a sick world, you know. And and you're going to have people come into our churches that are going to have story after story, though it may not be that extreme, but it's always going to be the same type of formula. Rejection, abuse, words, actions, trauma, offense, woundedness, hurt, bondage. And if we're going to be ambassadors of reconciliation, we're going to have to know how to help these people. And we're going to have to get to roots. We're going to have to dig for roots, seeds, and help people get healed. You understand what I'm saying? You may be one of those people. You may not. You may think you're not one of those people, but two years from now, you're going to remember what you were taught. And you're going to get a revelation. There was stuff there all along. And we see it all the time. You know what we see? We see people around the age of 30 years old will all of a sudden be getting memories returned to them, uh, uh, lay down at night, have dreams, and these things, these reoccurring events, flashbacks of their past will haunt them. And what they don't realize is that God is bringing it to their attention at that age because now they're able to handle it and deal with it. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case, but I've seen that reoccurring theme. Around the age of 30, we've counseled with people, prayed with them, and you hear the story, and they say, man, I was about the age of 30, I, I couldn't remember any of this stuff, and all of a sudden, all this stuff comes flashing back. You see how it works? I've got one more for you, real quick. Young lady, I'm going to let you go after this, and this is amazing. She had bulimic eating disorders. This happened just this year. Newly married, he didn't know what he's getting. She's a beautiful girl. Musician, loves, sweet like an angel. Okay? But going through group, third week, fourth week hits, all this stuff begins to manifest. Stuff, the bulimic stuff that she thought she had under control come 
flying back. She can't keep her food down. She begins to have panic attacks, shaking. We, have, we meet them at the coffee shop and literally the demons were manifesting in the coffee shop. We had to take authority over it. We had to command those things to shut up, be quiet, to where she could calm down enough. She drives home and to our house. We had to take her to our house. She gets to our house. Her and her husband, it's me and my wife. We sit down and come, man, you know, try to take authority over the situation. It was very demonstrative, very, oh, it was crazy. And she was so distraught. And so we pray for her. We command the peace of God. We call on the peace of God to come in that room and quieten it down. We get it quietened down. And so we say, okay, what we're going to do, we begin to ask her some questions. And uh, uh, we come to find out, as she told her story, went back into her childhood. Tell us about your parents. Tell us about your mom and your dad. What went on. And what we come to find out, and listen, this is amazing. This root went all the way back. It was a generational curse that went back to her great, gen, yeah, back to her grandfather in the Nazi camps. And he was a survivor. He was starved. You know how they were done. He makes it out of the camp, has her father, and he does the opposite to what he experienced. The trauma. Can you imagine the trauma that would have been being in those camps? He force feeds his son to eat anything and everything to the point of abuse because of the opposite fear of not having enough food. He went to opposite swing and he forced feed. So then what happens? He traumatized his son through this abnormal behavior. <coughs> and he turns around then to his daughters and instead of force feeding them, he shames them when they eat just normal food. He wouldn't let them eat ice cream. He wouldn't let him eat harmless things as a child. And he, 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 he just hounded them all their upbringing about what they, you're going to be fat. You don't need to eat that. No, you can't have that. And it was very abusive when it came to food. And her sister had bulimic tendencies. She had bulimic tendencies. So she tells us a story and there's more to it. And we think there's got to be more. So we, we do what we've always done. We pray the Holy Spirit. Okay, what we're going to do? We're going to stop right here. And we'll say, Holy Spirit, reveal to this young lady. Take her back to a time, a place, a person, an event. Show her where seeds were planted. Yeah, that was a seed, but there were more. And as she sat there, within a minute to two minutes, her countenance went to utter and complete shock and hysteria. She's hyperventilating. She's grabbing her husband and she's saying, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, I can't tell you. And he's going, yeah, you can't, honey. You can tell me it's okay. We had to hug on her, love her in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your love come. Get her calm down again. We said, you can tell us. You can share. You can share. And finally, she gets the words out. And as she was sitting there, the memories came flooding back that she had suppressed where she was sexually abused by her father. Memories she had no, she could not remember, and they come flooding back. This was a Christian man attending church. She was sexually abused, and he would sexually abuse her, and he physically abused her, her sister, and she blocked the memories of the police coming where she had to hide in the room, and it was all the drama, palava, and those memories came flooding back. This is real stuff. I know that's extreme. But it works. 
just like that. We prayed for her. We prayed healing over her life. And God miraculously touched her. She was healed. She was delivered. They went on to have a baby. And, and, and no, no more issues. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. I'm going to dismiss you. Thank you for your patience. Hopefully these stories are not being told in a way that I'm trying to be sensational or uh, overdramatic. I'm just trying to give you a picture how rejection can take root, how seeds are planted, how the fruit can manifest, and what the results can be. I know these were extreme cases, but it can be just a word. It can be anything that can cause woundedness and rejection in people's lives. And this is real stuff. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for hanging in here. And you're here today. There's a lot of guys aren't here. And uh, that's, that's okay. Uh, but thank you for coming. Let's read this prayer and we're going to dismiss. Are you with me? Yep. Let's go. Gracious Lord, I praise you for your truth. The truth that is found in your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have opened my spiritual eyes to the lies and the schemes of the evil one who would have me bound to rejection and the fear of man. Thank you for the truth that says perfect love casts out fear. Lord, plant within me your truth. Let your truth take root and let me be established in your unfailing love and that I may have your power to understand the width, length, height, and depth of your great love. As your child, I choose your acceptance and love in my life today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Guys. You'll need to pray for Mike. You want to do that? Uh,